So hi everyone, I'm Lisa Raines, uh, Chartered Architect, Founder, Franchisor at Pride Road. It's an architectural practice franchise. And today I'm delighted to be talking to Lyra Louie. Um, she's an American arch architect based in Chicago. And she's actually a member of the RIBA, which is very intriguing. Um, Lyra, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, so my name is Lyra Louise, and sometimes people call me by my full name, Anna Lyra, but that's really beside the point. Yeah, so that's my full name. But anyway, so I am, yes, an architect, and I'm based in Chicago in the U.S., and I have been a member of the RIBA since 2008, so I have been a continuous member. And in November 2019, I have been elected as a fellow of the RIBA. And one of the highlights of my 2020, and I didn't realize it was going to be my last trip ever for this year, was um, attending the, the ceremony, the fellowship ceremony in, in London. So that was a nice experience. At least I have a memorable experience beginning of 2020 and then stay at home until December. So now we're in December. Oh, awesome. So, so did you come down to 66 Portland Place? Correct. Oh, wow. And how many fellows were elected this year? So this year for, I, I just checked, they just announced the new fellows, they had eight, but usually every year they select only a limited number of fellows. So it ranges from eight to 10, but the maximum I've seen is 10. Cool. So today is going to it, the topics, the joy of networking. Um, so just talking, coming on, talking about your, the um, fellowship award, whatever it is, um, in the RIBA. Did you use it as a networking opportunity? Did you meet your fellow fellow fellows? And did you make some good yeah. connections there? Correct. So the the RIBA fellowship, when I pursued it, I was actually contemplating on applying as early as 2016. Mm. And I, I'm looking at my history of my folders as I was cleaning my computer this year. And I saw that there, I have a folder for 2016, okay, to apply RIBA fellow. I never applied, 2017, um, I, I, you know, I had it bookmarked again and then 2018, 2019 it was only on 2019 or 2018 2019 that I decided okay it's time you know I can't like uh, postpone it I have to try for it um mainly because yes you mentioned uh was there a networking opportunity well I when I was applying or pursuing it working towards it I only wanted like you know I have to admit there's an element of fame associated with it, but I only wanted a few seconds of it. I didn't realize it come with an entire platform. And that when I got elected, that they gave me an entire platform and they even give me more than a few seconds, like, you know, the same length of time as what Brad Pitt got in his acceptance speech for the Oscars. Yeah. So that's what, how much time I got uh, when I attended the ceremony at Portland Place. So that alone is a networking opportunity. And why do I say this? Because the people who were in attendance at that event were well-connected people. Mm -hmm. And even fellows who received 
uh, the award together with me that year or this year for 2020 at the award ceremony, they're also well connected. So even though there's about 10 of us and then plus the uh, honorary fellows, so about 20 of us, these people were themselves well connected already. So in speaking and interacting and connecting with them, that allowed me also to expand my network. And that's where I met, um, well, I actually uh, interacted in the preparation or working towards the fellowship. I met Jason Boyle who I met virtually, uh, who was the fellow, who was the youngest fellow um, in the history of the RIBA. And Jason Boyle was our recent connection. So this, yeah, this conversation is all about networking and connections. And it was, it was Jason that's kind of mentioned that we should, we should have a chat. Um, So how, how did you come about Jason? So I reached out, and this is an example of, you know, how to reach out um, online to people. Mm-hmm. And it's possible in, in our current situation with the pandemic, it's possible to make connections to network uh, virtually or online without having to attend so many online events so, because their Zoom fatigue is real or a video networking fatigue is real. You could also connect with people in lieu of a face-to-face meeting by reaching out to them, but you have to approach it in a way that is uh, respectful Mm -hmm. and that doesn't uh, cross boundaries. You have to be aware of that, that you're approaching somebody who may may know you only online or virtually. And when Jason connected us for this podcast, actually, I've already learned of your work through your um, when you campaigned for the RIBA council and when you won of course we I, I voted for you when you uh, when you ran for for a seat at the RIB council so I'm already familiar with your work so you are already in my network or or if mm-hmm. you will in my radar however Jason was the connector yeah. to that that helped really connect the two of us. So that's a great example of the importance of networking as well. So the person who connects people who may not necessarily know each other, they may be aware of each other, but they don't know each other, that person is the networker or the connector, which is a key component in networking. And in this case, Jason Boyle was, you know, that connector. So we were talking um, sort of beforehand about sort of principles of networking and how networking can help you kind of starting up your own firm or your own practice. Um, Do you want to talk me through, and and you mentioned the word homopoly? Correct. So when uh, it's all connected actually um, in while working towards the Arabia Fellowship, I was actually on in, in, in Italy to attend the Venice Architecture Biennale. And at that time, it was being curated by the RIBA gold medalist, um, Grafton Architects. And so then on my way there, I passed through Florence. And in Florence, so in my travels, I learned of the, a certain group in the history of Florence called the Medici's. Mm-hmm. And the Medici's were a very powerful 
banking family. And they were not part of the upper class uh, group, if you would associate with the social class in the history of um, Florence, but they became powerful because they were a connector. They were, they were uh, that was their position in this whole networking. And they, their rise to power and their rise to the influence within the banking industry or the finance industry of Florence was because they connected people who don't know each other, but could benefit by working with each other. And then um, the term homopoly, it, you know, if you analyze the description, homo meaning the same and then poly meaning many. So you analyze, and, and this term actually impacts networking in a way um, how we approach from a business perspective, from how we approach networking on a racial perspective, on a social uh, class perspective, and overall on our backgrounds, how we approach connecting with people. It impacts us. And how, how do I say um, how it affects human networks? Because networking, whether you're doing it for business purposes or for personal purposes, like making friends or friendship, it's all based on uh, our, our center is influenced by this term that I learned um, in my travel to Florence called homopoly. And homopoly, you know, it's, it's basically whoever is the majority of a group, say for example, architects, okay? Architects tend to navigate, uh, when you're in a party, cocktail party, for example, and then you find somebody who's also an architect, they tend to initially you know, embrace that. There's that initial rapport that you tend to talk with them because you have something in common. Or even if you're not even architects, like if you have something in common with somebody else, you tend to gravitate talking with them first as opposed to getting out of your comfort zone and talking with somebody who's different, far different than you. So in a, in a case for the terminology of homopoly is that people tend to gravitate towards the majority first, uh, some, somebody or, you know, groups where you have something in common than those that you don't have anything in common. And how does this impact networks, human networks from a business perspective? So we tend to, um, you know, it's a double-edged sword you would have your support system from a homopoly perspective in works, but as well as you create silos wherein you only interact with those who are similar to you. And that creates a lot of problems from a social perspective, from a racial perspective, from a, a social, the financial, you know, social class perspective. So, so yeah, so in a nutshell, that's, what um, homopoly is. So, you know, it has the power to influence and it has the power to also hinder mm. further. So I guess if you were, you know, if you were starting your own firm and you were going out and trying to network, um, so what advice would you give to people? What sort of networking events should they be looking for? And then once they're at those networking events, what sort of things should they do? 
So what I find helpful for me was the quality, the quality of events, because right now, even though we say that we're in a pandemic, there's a lot of virtual events out there and it could really, really, um, you know, be uh, tiresome at times. And like I said, there's the Zoom fatigue. So you have to be also selective on the types of virtual events or networking events that you attend. And also you have to, um, the, that's the number one thing is look out for quality. It's not necessarily all the time that's quantity, meaning it's not the number of, um, the, the number of people in a group. You have to look at it from the perspective of how well connected are the people attending that event? Because that's the key there. So for example, so what do we say by quality? If few of those attendees or members or contacts or whatever attend that and they themselves are well connected, then there's that multiplier effect there. So when they go out, when, they, when you interact with them and you're all well connected, the takeaway for you from that event is when you go off on your own, you know, after that, then you expand your network that way. You have met somebody who has the fire effect on how you could, you yourself could multiply your network. Mm, it sounds like um, a BNI. Have you heard of BNI? Mm-hmm. Yeah, did, did, have you belonged to a BNI chapter over in the States? No, I have not, though. But no. yeah, so, so it sounds that it sounds like that. Yeah, so they're always talking about the, um, the, the, the power of, you know, as, as you say, the connector. It's not just, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, me trying to sell to you or, or me, you know, trying to get some advice directly from, from you. It's also it's the power of your networks and who you're friendly with, who you're, you know, um, who you went to school with, or you know, who you're friends with, or or you know, business uh, partners. Um, so you know, you, when you're talking to someone, just because they don't, they're not a client, uh, or they're, they're not a potential client, or they're not an architect. Um, you know, talk to them, you know, make that connection because they may know the perfect client, they may know the perfect architect and they, you know, they can provide you with that invaluable um, contact. Correct. Okay. And then I have a true story. There's a true mm. story. So I was chatting with, uh, in my travels, I chatted with the front desk person. And I was in the Philippines at that time. So I was chatting with the front desk at the hotel I was staying at. And we were just chatting he, and then he was asking what I was doing there. I, and I was actually there to give a public lecture. So the following day. And so that's all we, we had. I asked him um, because he, he's not from originally from the Philippines. So he was from somewhere else. And it turns out to be from Chicago mm -hmm. as well. And, and so then he, it, as it turns out, that conversation led me to an interview for a magazine article. So that front desk person, had I not chatted with him and actually took 
a personal interest in him as a person going beyond seeing him as simply somebody who's at the front desk helping me out check in at the hotel he actually connected me unknowingly to somebody he knows relationally meaning he's related to somebody who um who is a, a journalist for an architecture uh, architecture magazine that got me a write-up a feature article mm. um one of my work and also for that uh for that speech that i gave in the philippines so unknowingly had i not been interested in this person um for who he is i would not have gotten that connection but but if you see the power of networks as well it's like uh you don't know who a person is connected to so don't never ever underestimate whoever you're interacting with or talking with whether you're in a cocktail event situation or whether you're in a random place traveling interacting with the front desk or whoever maybe in an uber ride or in a lift ride you never know because there is actually um uh, and i wanted to get in his car there was a there's a reporter a journalist here in chicago who's a lift driver but he actually reports on people the day-to-day -day lives of people and he has also um a podcast uh, i forgot what his name was oh, but it's, it's, yeah but it's hmm. it's kind of networking and that kind of interest taking an interest in people uh that is you know a great tip uh to to remind us that there's always something interesting about anybody that you interact with on a day-to-day -day basis cool um so I just I want to go back to the RIBA. Um, I'm absolutely fascinating. Why an American architect would want to join the RIBA? <laughs> well, I mean, as I mentioned, I've been a continuous member of mm. the RIBA since 2008. And I've visited London a number of times prior to that. And one of the key things that really interested me in being part of the RIBA network is the culture, the culture of innovation. Um, and I, I, I always, it, it never fails to, um, uh, to let, to have this be demonstrated whenever I visit um, parts of London or out the outskirts of London. So it's that kind of attitude towards innovation uh, the willingness to be the pioneer, be the first at trying out things. Even if you're going to fail, at least you'll learn something from that. There, there's no fear in failure is, you know, that's what interested me. And, and when, I, when I joined in 2008, um, the first event that I ever attended, uh, the networking event, was hosted by the president at that time of the RIBA USA, um, Jonathan Wimpany, he hosted a networking event in 2010. And I was surprised that in his presentation, he has never met me in person, but we did correspond by email that I'm interested to attend, that he was aware of the things that RIBA members in the US were doing. Because in his presentation, I was surprised to see that he was aware that I, I spoke at Neocon, 
And he highlighted that in the presentation uh, for the annual general meeting of the RIBA USA and telling um, everybody, making everybody aware of what RIBA members in the USA were doing. And that kind of interest um, is what really fascinated me. And I guess that's what kept me from um, really continuing my membership and becoming a member every year, what kept me from renewing my membership every year. It's that level of interest on, on the members because you know that he, he didn't have to do that is in, in a nutshell, but he took us an extra step in really trying to know, being making himself aware of what members were doing aside from also promoting what the RIBA was doing. So that level of interest in the members mm. themselves. And, and I think we were, we were talking last time about um, kind of the RIBA almost being a kite mark for architects, like um, a, a stamp of approval. And certainly I think you, you found that more overseas. Yes, correct. So in my travel again, so I, you know, prior to the pandemic, I traveled a lot, but I have not done so for 2020. <laughs> anyway, so when I was traveling in Singapore and Hong Kong, I was surprised that it, I attended a networking event again. And you know how the RIBA lets you use the RIBA crest. Uh, so members mm -hmm. are allowed to use that. So I have it in my business card. And I was surprised that um, people like in the industry, they don't necessarily have to be architects. They could be contractors or consultants, but people in the industry, AEC, architecture, engineering, construction industries, at least in Singapore when I was there and in Hong Kong, recognized that Reba crest, the RIBA crest. Mm. And they associated that, oh, you're an architect. And so they, there's that association. Um, mm. Immediate very, very strong branding internationally. Correct, correct, outside. And I'm not sure if you're aware of that, that people overseas, at least in those places, those two places that I went to, recognize the RIBA. There's that immediate recognition. I think uh, clearly we both enjoy networking. Well, it's, it's about meeting people and creating those connections. Um, but did you get involved in any mentoring roles? I mean, we certainly do at Pride Road when we're with our franchisees. Um, you know, we provide that mentoring support and coaching to our franchisees to help them through networking situations and help them, um, you know, sort of manage their diaries, manage the events, uh, help them do, help them be relaxed. Um, do, so, what about yourself? Do you have any mentees? Are you involved in any men mentoring organizations? Yes, yeah, so not, not officially a member of any mentoring organization, but I do have mentors uh, and mentees. Mm. So I, my mentees are some of the members of the U United Nations 2030 Youth Force. Okay. And I also encounter them virtually yeah. through networking, they invited me to speak to um, for one of their events, public events, and then I got to meet some of them. Mm. And so then these are young activists 
and and some of them I took under my wings. I follow up with them every now and then, of course, online uh, for now. Uh, most of the time, that's how I meet people um, who I mentor as so well. Are they so, architects or are they in different sort of different sectors, different areas? Fields. They're different fields, although I do mentor uh, those who are on track for um, becoming an architect. In fact, when I got uh, elected as an RIBA fellow, the, there's, a, there's a magazine or an online magazine called Rappler, and it's, it's huge in the Philippines. And so they, so they featured it. There's an architect in Manila who read it. And she's right now in the process of becoming an architect. And when she read that I got elevated, she too told me, she reached out to me through LinkedIn, wrote to me, said, oh, I'm trying to um, take the board exams for January of 2021. After I pass that board exam, I wanna be an RIBA uh, member as well. So, <laughs> yeah, so, so it's those things that, platform that I mentioned earlier, that platform that RIBA gave me, it was an also when people see you, like, you know, for as far as, you know, for myself, I'm speaking for myself, somebody saw me who looked like me, they want to be what you've also achieved. And so I encouraged her. So I told her, you know, um, in fact, I invited her for this event as well. Uh, but I think it's it's those things, those little things, and this evolved organically. I did not seek her out, but she sought me out, and I'm trying to nurture that um, mentee. You know, trying to see how I could continue mentoring this person into eventually becoming a member of the RIBA. But it's those things. You know, sometimes it evolves organically. I think the best mentor-mentee relationship. Um, happens or evolves organically and it could happen through networking mm-hmm. and I, I I would say yeah I've just made sure I've unmuted myself I've got a bit of a stinky cough cold but it's not COVID um, so <laughs> I've been muting myself as we've been going along <laughs> um, yeah I, I would I mean the, the, there, there are organizations that arrange mentoring the RIBA um, has a, a student mentoring program, but um, you know, I, th- I think it's important to say to people, you know, if you are looking for a mentor yourself, you don't have to go through formal channels. Just ask, contact them direct. Most people would kind of be very happy to to be involved and and help out. I know certainly through through my career. You know, as a young architect, there weren't any formal mentoring structures, and I literally had to reach out and ask people if they'd help me. Um, usually, they were sort of older, white, middle-aged blokes. Um, is those were the kind of role models that I had. Um, you know, there were some very also there were a couple of very strong women as well. Um, so yeah, I just say if you're listening out there and you're looking for a mentor, um, you know, just just reach out directly. Yeah, and and the tips that I what I found helpful because here's another true story. When I was a graduate student at the Frank Lloyd Wright School of Architecture, 
I actually recruited, I reached out to, um, to somebody who was already retired from the architecture practice. And he was volunteering as a tour guide at, at Tellies and West. Mm. I recruited him to be part of my education review committee, which was required for at least for my graduate program. That's how I get assessed as a graduate student. So when I recruited him, I reached out to him. I encountered him through the tour group because I was giving tours as a student as well for of tell you know for Talias and West. So I giving I was giving a tour for that. And then he mentioned to me, I took an interest in him, asked his story, uh, how he got there. And it turned out that he was the um, the former project manager of the famous Phoenix Public Library in Arizona. And he was retired. He just got into retirement. And then I immediately, and I was my box project, which is your you know typical architecture project for that here, was actually a library. And so then, and there was a an opening in my ed education review committee. And so I recruited him. I asked him, would you be interested <laughs> in mentoring me for this? I just literally like reached out to him. I had, I didn't, he didn't know anybody. Um, and my background other than knowing me from the tour group and that I was a graduate student there. And then surprisingly he accepted. And you know, years later, eventually he became a studio master of the Frank Lloyd Wright School of Architecture. So you never know what happens with these kinds of mentoring. What, what started was uh, from a small interaction, recruiting him to mentor me on a project, school project, and then eventually joining my education review committee. And then, you know, he mentored a lot of the graduates from the Franklin Wright School of Architecture after me. So you never know the kind of ripple yeah. effect. <clears throat> so I, I, I think as a, a takeaway, it would just be don't judge people, talk talk to people, ask open questions, and you never know what's going to come out of the conversation. So I think that's um, time to, to wrap up. So um, thank you very much, Lyra, for coming on the podcast. And um, I look forward to staying connected with you. And I know we're going on to talk about uh, exciting things in Chicago <laughs> after this. Yeah. So. Thank you for having me. It's, it's a pleasure to be in your podcast.